I'm John, and this is DOLW2, episode 29, The Right of Sodomy. And I'm joined today by Carl, Josh, Josh, Mike, Teresa, and myself, of course. And so we'll get started now. We want to welcome some of our, our guests there. We want to welcome those of you who are in Cambodia. Welcome. And we want to welcome those who are in Philippines. We have the uh, we have the Manila Luzon area. We have the Visayas, and we have Davao. And we welcome you. Welcome to all of you. And we have also, guess what? We have a single man here, and his name is Josh. Josh welcomes all you single ladies out there. Are you single available, Josh? Yes. He is. He's a good Christian man. And we have Carl. Uh, welcome. And Carl welcomes all the grandfathers and all the grandchildren. He's going to have a special prayer in the end for grandfather to grandchildren. His grandchildren he's going to dedicate it to. But anybody, it's not going to be copyrighted, is it, Carl? No. Uh, good, because I'll copyright it. Now, that's how you usurp <laughs> his role. He didn't copyright it. Y'all heard that. So, uh, no, anybody can use this material. And then we have uh, we have Lynn in Vietnam and her her. Uh, a religious community of Catholic nuns are praying for us. Isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful. So glad to have her. And uh, of course, we want to thank you for our con- for our sponsor, BigBank.com. <laughs> if without that support, we couldn't make it. And we have a continued. Uh, uh, we have Hong Kong came in. We're looking for Myanmar, Burma. We're hoping to get some views there. We have Cambodia. Thank you, Cambodia. And uh, for your support. And we have our buddy Dave in Cambodia. Check out his YouTube channel for free education, feeding the poor free. Dave in Cambodia. He's from Michigan. Check him out. And uh, we have, I believe, uh, just several countries that are listing but we wanted to welcome the new ones, okay? So, John, uh, you are going to start with the right of sodomy, Randy Engel. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, that's right. You want to read first or what? You go right ahead. All right, we're starting in page 1020. Among women religious, the school sisters of Notre Dame led the parade, followed by the sisters of Loretto, sisters of the Sacred Heart, Dominican sisters, sisters of Mercy, Franciscan sisters, sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and the sisters of St. Joseph. Other supporters of the G of the CCGCR homosexual lobby included Sisters in Gay Ministry Associated, Sigma, the Coyote Center, Association of Chicago Priests, Capuchin Gay Caucus, Georgetown University Office of Campus Ministry, National Assembly of Religious Brothers, Women's Ordination Conference, WOC, and the Thomas Merton Center, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. One of the coalition's most influential members was Reverend Anthony Kosnick, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Professor of Moral Theology and Dean of St. Cyril and Methodius Seminary, Orchard Lake, Michigan. Father Kosnick held a doctorate in Sacred Theology from the Angelicum in Rome and a degree in Canon Law from the Gregorian University and was reported to be close friends with Pope John Paul II. In 1972, Kosnick was appointed chairman of the Catholic Theological Society of America's Committee on the Study of Human Sexuality. The committee's final report was issued in 1977 under the title Human Sexuality, New Directions in American Catholic Thought. 
The report is an unabashed apologia for sodomy and all forms of deviant behavior and an open attack on Catholic morality. Two of the five members of the committee were members of the CCGCR. The language, lexicon, and arguments used by the CCGCR to promote the vice of homosexuality as a virtue was identical to that of the secular homosexual collective. The CCGCR claimed that homosexuals are an oppressed people who need to be liberated, that homosexuality is an inborn condition and not a matter of choice, that homosexuals do not recruit youth, that the homosexual movement is family-friendly and pederasty has no connection whatsoever to homosexuality. In a 1987 Wall Street Journal article on homosexuality and the Catholic Church by Deanna Solis, Father Nugent was identified as the leader of the 3,500-member CCGCR. Solis quoted Nugent as saying, There is just terrible pain out there. He said that homosexuality was a divisive issue in the church and society, and you just didn't see things settling down. One of the last projects carried out by the CCGCR in the late 1980s was a series of seminars conducted by Nugent and Gramic on homosexuality, homophobia, and holiness. One could, however, have eliminated the reference to holiness. According to Reverend William Witt, who attended the CCGCR seminar given at the Newman Center of Youngstown State University, the word holiness was mentioned but once in the day-long seminar. Nor was there ever, nor was there any mention of prayer or God's will, said Witt. And why should there be? New Ways is a political action organization, not a religious one. To view it through anything other than a political prism is an exercise in self-deception. By the early 1990s, the CCGCR seemed to disappear from the scene as quickly as it had appeared. It was replaced by other New Ways fronts, including Sisters in Gay Ministry Associated, the Center for Homophobia Education, and Catholic Parents Network. Nugent and Gramic created the Center for Homophobia Education, CHE, in 1991, after they had been ordered by the Vatican in 1983 to separate themselves from new ways. The CHE is listed on some brochures as a project of Windmills, Inc., a subsidiary of the Coyote Center. On other CHE materials, the New York City address of the CCGCR is given. The U.S. tour of the CHE was funded in part from a grant from the James R. Doherty Jr. Foundation, Beeville, Texas. The Catholic Parents Network was created by Nugent and Gramic in 1995. Its wheels are greased by the same pro-homosexual propaganda that drives new ways. The organization has multiple offices, including one in Hyattsville, Maryland, and Nugent's Dover Street address in Baltimore. Trouble in Paradise. Vatican investigation begins. From the moment Sister Gramic and Father Nugent began their public ministry to homosexuals, the Vatican has been flooded with complaints from Orthodox Catholics demanding that new ways be disbanded. The protests against new ways were so insistent that beginning in 1977, the Vatican's Congregation for the Institutes of Consecrated Life and Secular Institutes CICL, was forced to order the superiors of the Salvatorians and the school sisters of Notre Dame to conduct no less than three internal studies of new ways. 
since the superiors themselves were actively involved in funding and promoting new ways, their reports to the CICL in Rome were uniformly supportive of the organization. In the meantime, a few American bishops had taken matters into their own hands. In 1978, Cardinal James Hickey stripped Nugent of his faculties to preach and hear confessions in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. However, Hickey did not make his action against the, against Nugent public. It was not until mid-November 1981 when Gramic and Nugent scheduled their first national symposium on homosexuality and the Catholic Church in his archdiocese that Hickey's earlier sanctions against Nugent came to light. At this time, Hickey asked Nugent and Gramic's religious superiors to remove the offending priest and nun from his jurisdiction, but the request was ignored. New ways continued to operate in the archdiocese. In the spring of 1981, Nugent and Gramic were informed by Cardinal Cody of the Archdiocese of Chicago that New Ways could not hold a workshop scheduled for June 9 at St. Clement's Catholic Church. Cardinal Cody banned them from holding any workshops or seminars in his archdiocese. The affair was rescheduled for Grace Episcopal Church, but was later canceled after the rector had second thoughts about incurring Cody's displeasure. The New Ways workshop was eventually held at the Trinity Episcopal Church. On May 5, New Ways was joined by representatives from Dignity Chicago Call to Action, now Lesbian Community Center, Integrity, and Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays at a press conference to protest Cardinal Cody's actions. Under Cardinal Joseph Bernardin, the Archdiocese of Chicago again opened its doors to New Ways. In the late 1980s, Archbishop Theodore McCarrick of Newark, New Jersey, and Bernard Cardinal Law of Boston took action against New Ways. Most Catholic dioceses, however, remained open to New Ways. By 1986, the organization reported that it had been in 50 dioceses in the United States. By 1992, New Ways had infected 130 of the 169 dioceses in the United States. And you read from there. Okay. The Congregation for Religious Takes Action. In 1983, the Congregation for the Institutes of the Consecrated Life and Secular Institutes renamed the Congregation for Religious and Secular Institutes, instructed Sister Gramic and Father Nugent to separate themselves totally and completely from new ways, and forbade them from engaging in any homosexual apostolate unless they made it manifestly clear that homosexual acts are intrinsically and objectively wrong. Callers to the New Ways office were told that Sister Gramic was on a one-year leave of absence and Father Nugent was no longer connected with New Ways, but these statements were not true. As late as 1984, both Gramic and Nugent were still active and the New Ways front organization, the Catholic Coalition for Gay Civil Rights, and Nugent still maintained his Dover Street residence in Baltimore with avowed homosexual father Paul Thomas, chairman of the board of directors in New Ways. According to veteran Washington, D.C. reporter Gary Potter, by the early 1980s, Thomas's housemate, Father Nugent, had also publicly acknowledged his own homosexuality. In the fall of 1984, Sister Gramic 
was given sanctuary by homosexual bishop Francis McGavriel of Brooklyn, the only Catholic bishop on the East Coast willing to take her in. She continued her lesbian gay ministry under the aegis of the school sisters of Notre Dame. The Sisters of Mercy's Office of Social Action also lent its support to Gramic's ministry. In 1989, Gramic moved back to the Archdiocese of Baltimore, where her homosexual ministry was supported by the Baltimore province of the School Sisters of Notre Dame in defiance of the ruling of the Congregation for Religious and Secular Institutes. Nugent had also wanted to settle into the Brooklyn Diocese, but Mugaviro refused to incur incarnate him. In 1984, the Salvatorian priest relocated himself in the gay-friendly Archdiocese of Newark, New Jersey, under Archbishop Peter Gerdy. After Gerdy retired, Archbishop Theodore McCarrick refused to renew Nugent's faculties, and in late 1987, he was forced to return to Baltimore to continue his work on behalf of the Homosexual Collective. Nugent in Ireland. The late 1980s saw Gramic and Nugent continuing their pro-homosexual apostolate, primarily through their writing and now profile speaking engagements, lectures, and workshops. During Advent of 1987, Nugent visited Ireland, where he gave a series of lectures on homosexuality and the Catholic Church. He was interviewed by Intercom, a magazine published by the Catholic Communications Institute, for Catholic clergy and church workers in Ireland. In the intercom interview, Nugent identified himself as a Salvatorian priest from New Jersey and a lecturer and expert on homosexual ministry. Nugent said that homosexuals were a hidden minority in our church, and therefore it was necessary to do some conscience-raising in the church as to their needs. He cited ways in which Catholic school children in religious instruction and sex education classes could be sensitized to the needs of homosexuals whose difference makes them outsiders. The Salvatorian priest went on to discuss the gifts that homosexual Catholics have to offer the community among them the experience of being rejected and neglected and condemned. He also gave his doctrinal views on the primacy of conscience and the principle of gradualism in moral ideas. He said he would like to see parish-based support groups for homosexuals and quoted U.S. Archbishop Rembert Weekland on the advisability of seeking out friendship with homosexual people. Unfortunately, Archbishop Weekland of the Milwaukee home of the Salvatorian's vocations office took his own advice too literally and would live to regret it. Vatican creates the Maida Commission. Finally, amidst amidst more complaints from the United States and Europe about the continued (coughs) involvement of Gramic and Nugent in pro-homosexual intrigues, the Congregation for Religious and Secular Institutes announced the formation of an independent U.S.-based committee to study the matter. The publication of Gramic's controversial article, Social Discrimination of Lesbians and the Church, in the International Theological Journal Concilium may have been a precipitating factor in getting the Vatican to act. On March 4, 1988, Archbishop Vincent Feglio, on behalf of 
Congregation's Prefect Jerome Cardinal Hammer notified Sister Patricia Flynn, General Superior of the School Sisters of Notre Dame, and Father Malachi McBride, General Superior of the Society of the Divine Savior in Rome, that a commission would be established in the United States to render a judgment as to the clarity and the orthodoxy of the public presentations of Sister Jeannie Janine Gramick, SSND, and Father Robert Nugent, SDS, with respect to the Church's teaching on homosexuality. On May 6, 1988, Archbishop Pio Laghi, the pro-nuncio to Apostolic Nunciker in Washington, D.C., announced the appointment of Bishop Adam Joseph Mata, then Bishop of Green Bay, Wisconsin, to head the three-member commission. Bishop Mata was joined by Monsignor James Mulligan, a moral theologian and director of priestly life and ministry programs for the Diocese of Allentown, Pennsylvania, and Sister Sharon Holland, IHM, an expert on the law and the religious life from the Catholic University of America. In September 1989, Sister Holland was replaced by Dr. Janet Smith, professor of philosophy of the University of Texas Irving. Unfortunately, despite his expertise in both civil and canon law, Bishop Mata was a poor choice from the start to head an inquiry into New Way's founders. Subsequent events bore this out. Bishop Mata was ordained to the priesthood by Bishop, later Cardinal, Dearden in 1956 and served as Dearden's vice chancellor and general counsel in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. On May 1, 1968, Dearden ordained Father Thomas J. Gumbleton, an auxiliary of Detroit. Bishop Gumbleton became one of Newey's most loyal and devoted servants. Yet after Mata became Archbishop of Detroit on June 12, 1990, he did nothing to reign in his notorious pro-homosexual auxiliary. How could he justify an investigation of New Way's founders, Gramic and Nugent, without calling into question Bishop Gumbleton's role in aiding and abetting New Ways? It was a question that went begging. On July 23, 1988, after the preliminary preparations and juridical process for the independent investigation by the Mata Commission were agreed upon, Archbishop Faglio advised Sister Gramic and Father Nugent on the ground rules for the investigation. He explained that when the members of the commission had finished their investigation, they would present their finding to Gramic and Nugent, their institutes, and the appropriate curial congregations in Rome. Faglio said that everyone was in agreement that the investigation should be conducted without any publicity publicity so that the process would be carried out in a fair and just and peaceful atmosphere and that a public statement would be made at the completion of the commission's task with the knowledge and consultation of all parties. On August 14th, a two-page letter was sent by Archbishop Laggy to Archbishop Mata in which the commission's mandate was explicitly spelled out. Then there was silence. 
According to Nugent and Gramic, there was no written communication between the congregation and two religious communities from May 27, 1989 until January 24, 1994. Because of the lapse of time and the absence of communication, Gramic and Nugent, as well as their religious superiors in the United States, believed that Mata Commission had been dissolved. For the New Ways founders, it was back to business as usual. The Center for Homophobia Education Unable to operate openly under the umbrella of the New Ways after 1984, Gramic and Nugent created another ad hoc group, the Center for Homophobia Education, the CHE, that used the New York Post Office box address of the Catholic Coalition for Gay Civil Rights. On August 9, 1989, Gramic and Nugent served as facilitators of a homophobia in religion and society seminar in the Diocese of Sacramento with the express approval of Bishop Francis A. Quinn. Veteran pro-lifer Lorette Ellsbury was in attendance to record the pro-homosexual roadshow. Identical CHE workshops were held in the diocese throughout California in early September 1989 with favorable reporting from diocesan papers, including the Catholic Herald that covered the Carmichael Homophobia Seminar held on September 7, 1989. The Herald reporter went along with the ruse and identified the priest and nun as currently being associated with the non-existent office of the Center for Homophobia Education in New York City. Earning their frequent flyer miles in mid-September, the duo organized a conference titled Our Lesbian and Gay Religious and Clergy in Garrison, New York. In attendance were vicars for religious from the Archdiocese of New York, representing John Cardinal O'Connor, the Diocese of Brooklyn, representing Bishop Francis J. McGarvio, and the Diocese of Rockville Center, representing Bishop John McCann. News of the gig that featured Sister Gramic that ran in the New York Times and the Catholic Independent Weeklies, such as The Wanderer. Okay, and we're going to give it to our co-host. The Archbishop. The Archbishop. I feel, you know, our priests always tell us, uh, I don't feel that. We'd like to expand uh, the Virgin Mary. and the, I don't feel that. Well, you know what? We, I feel what I feel. I feel we represent the fun that's going to be denied to you clergy in the future. I feel like I'm the fun manager. And so I'm we're going to have comments. Are you feeling I'm that? feeling that, Mike. John, are you yeah, feeling I'm that? Feeling yeah. Yeah. Guys, do you feel that? That yeah. World Wide Web, that sucking sound diocese, that's your money that we're going to deny you and we're going to send it to Asia. Are you okay with that? Yes. Ron, you okay? Yes. Okay, we got a unanimous consensus. You know what? I like this feel-good theology. It really opens up the door, big enough to drive a Mack truck through. What's going on when they say this to you? The clergy say, well, you know, I'm really not feeling it, Sue. I'm not feeling it that we should have holy cards. This is not where the parish is going at. You know, what you want to say, first of all, what he's doing is he is being arbitrary and capricious. The standard that you're supposed to avoid arbitrary and capricious in the Judeo-Christian theology and, and, uh, and, and legalism and things like that they think is bad goes back over 3,000 years. It's justice to be have a rational basis to your action. You don't deny somebody an, an opportunity to express their devotion to the Virgin, to Jesus Christ, to the Virgin Mary. But when they feel, they feel not in this parish, I feel that your parish 
is going to be deprived some of our fund money. That's what I feel. I feel the same way. You feel that? I feel warm and fuzzy doing that, Bishop. And we're growing. Carl, did you want to have anything? Because I have more to say. Did you want to say something? No. Not at this you, time. You say it all. Right answer, Carl. He said, no, I'll let you say I'll it. I'll tell you the truth later on. Yeah. Did you want to say anything there? No. Okay. Let me. I just have one question. Why, do, why would a priest deny someone to do a devotion to Mary? Oh, disgusting. The sorrows of motherhood can be great. And how much comfort the sorrows of Mary... Um, done in that devotion can be. Right. And we're going to expand on that because we're going to seek out, I think, an affidavit from her. Yes. And we're going to take it up the uh, up through the church court, and we're going to fly the flag, fly that letter, that affidavit to the bishop. But let me give you some reasons why. So here you have a Roman Catholic priest whose baby's mama has worked for the church, yes. whose baby's mama, this priest's baby's mama, advocates for... Uh, uh, woman deaconesses, but I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. I'll give you. This is. I'd now, like to know. Why. Would you like to know? I would like to know why, and I'm sure everybody here would, right? <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna. I think we can have a guest. We have a special guest, and uh, this is a man who taught. His name is the Right Reverend Garagou Lagrange. Can I hear a round clap? Welcome, Garagou Lagrange. Yay! He's here with us in his uh, through the sovereign providence brought him to us, and uh, this is the three ages of the interior life prelude to to eternal life. You know, you got to be. You can't be. She's looking over my shoulder here on this stuff here. You can't be just. You you, mind your business. You can't be just an ordinary Christian to touch this this stuff. No, sir. No, no, ma'am. Now, uh, so we have here, this is a doctorate. This is the guy who formed the the great St. John Paul II, uh, taught him. uh, And I think he was in, it might have been on his doctoral dissertation committee, but I don't know. But taught him in Rome. So uh, our parish priest couldn't get, could not even qualify to get into his class. So you hear, so keep in mind, these men who are in your parish who are, some would say, were weak and mediocre Christian faithful who then became ordained, remained weak and ordin- uh, weak and mediocre clergy. And so what happens when eaglets try to correct the eagle? So here's how we go. He says in page six of the Three Ages of the Interior Life, and I quote you, after the death of St. John of the Cross, some theologians felt they should correct his works and cover them over, as it were, with scholastic whitewash, in order the better to explain their meaning and remove all exaggeration. So I'm sure our uh, parish priest is saying to her, Mary's in the way. You know, yes. he has a Protestant background. Yes. And he, he, he came, I think, Reverend John down there, he came to Catholicism, but I think Carl said he brought a lot of his Protestant church with him. Yeah, and we were, we uh, get closer to God by saying the rosary. Most um, priests will say, tell you that. Uh, Catholic priests. There's some that are priests that aren't Catholic. All right, so listen to this. Here's what he says. So um, after the death of St. John of the Cross, some theologians felt they should correct his works and cover them over as if it were with scholastic whitewash in order the better to explain their meaning and remove all exaggeration. Thus, talent sometimes wishes to correct genius, as if the eaglet wished to teach the eagles to fly. It was then necessary to defend the mystic against their enemies and their injudicious friends. So John of the Cross had enemies, 
and he was a mystic, and he had injudicious friends. Let's go over to Jacques Maritain, who wrote in uh, Les Degrés du Savior, I'm not certain they're the Degrees of the Savior, 1932, page 647. He dealt exceedingly well with the practicality of the vocabulary of St. John of the Cross. And this is a distinction when you're working with men who are mediocre men, mediocre intellects. Uh, Carl, I heard, do you know something about our pastor and his, his experience at the uh, seminary? Could you share? Without saying his name, I heard you said, was his seminary experience somewhat shrunken? Uh, I think he needed more time in the Catholic seminary. Did they... Sh- I thought they gave him a pass. They gave him license. Yeah, yeah, but I think that would have helped him a great deal. What, but what he did get that? a pass, is what what he said, and then and then yeah. he did. So he got a pass to not have to complete it, is the way I understood. He didn't have to go to the rigorous seminary than a normal. Yeah. No, that, but uh, I think that that he it was a disservice to him by not putting him through that seminary. Yes. Meaning the same seminary program that a, a normal priest normal would go pre- Yes, because I think they're taught very well. Yeah, and he missed out on that, is what we understand. We'll ask the, convince us we're wrong, Bishop, so we'll ask it about that. So uh, so we go to, listen to this about Jacques Maritain, talking about John of the Cross and philosophy and mystical language, and understand that moms and dads and uh, housewives, think of the mothers who are home when the kids get off the bus. Housewives are entitled to a voice and can be close to God. And you don't have to be the administrative assistant to a bishop to claim some type of special grace. Listen to this. Philosophical language, and we, if we ever get a chance to talk to Janet Smith, she was mentioned there. She's in our diocese, oh. PhD. Philos- and I think she knows uh, people with the MacKillop organization and uh, philosophical language seeks especially to tell of reality without touching it. So philosophical language seeks especially to tell of reality without touching it. Mystical language to make it known as if by touching it, though not seeing it. Let me repeat that. Philosophical language seeks especially to tell of reality without touching it. Mystical language to make it known as if by touching it, though not seeing it. The intellect passes from one conceptual vocabulary to another, uh, just as it passes from Latin to Chinese or Arabic, but it cannot apply the syntax of one to the other. Thus, St. John of the Cross describes contemplation as a non-activity, whereas St. Thomas defines it as the highest possible activity. So keep that in mind about Mother Mary pondering in her heart what was told to her by the angels, she didn't fully understand it. Her love exceeded her understanding. Yes. Now, that's the distinction between the cherubs and the seraphs. Cherubs love what they know. Their wings are the same. Sarah, and so they're known for exceeding knowledge. Seraphs are known for exceeding ardor, A-R-D-O-R, ardor, I think. I'll get John, we'll see if we can get Thomas Aquinas in next week to come in. He's busy. But we can try to get him in. Yeah, let's work you on that. Paul on that, John Parton. John, can you get us one of those saints in? All right, we think we can. So we'll have him. So he'll seraphic language, seraphic's level of saint of the uh, of the uh, angels. Their love exceeds their knowledge, like Mary, a mother's love exceeds that seraphic love exceeds its knowing. It's not limited by what it knows. It's faithful love. So. Uh, <clears throat> We continue 
about uh, some of the things we're talking about here. <coughs> that about God. Think about God. We know very well that in him there is neither. I'm now on page nine. And I'm just going to spot through some of the highlights of walking through a forest full of huge oaks. Mm -hmm. We go from acorn to sprouted uh, oak, oak, an oak sprout tree and a huge oak that some of these clergy are weak and mediocre men is to say that they have stunted oaks, but that the oak is stunted does not mean the oak itself is not a great tree. You know, that some of these men are stunted does not mean that the clergyhood is not great. So you hear you get him. Let's take a look at this. We know very well that in him, there is neither matter, movement, progress, nor limit. They're talking about God. Whereas we cannot know positively the essential mode according to which the divine perfections are in God and are identified in the eminence of the deity in which they exist formally and eminently. We know this essential mode of the divine perfections in a negative and relative way, saying it is an uncreated, incomprehensible, supreme mode. But in itself, it remains hidden, like the deity, which is manifest only to the blessed who see it immediately. So that's why they talk about love. So when you see these men who are in love with sex, pleasure, power, is that what we're seeing in this right oh, side? Yes, yes. People who are love, and here you have this beautiful, beautiful treasure of the Catholicism, the treasure, the crown jewels of our family, they keep hidden. Is that? Yes. Oh. They don't point us in that direction. People are not pointed in the direction of, of how deep our souls can go in prayer um, and they get closer to God. And closer to God, I want to add, they haven't touched the interior life of God. You see it in their life, which cannot be shared by nature, but only by sanctifying grace, which is a participation in the divine nature. That's on page 10. Would you agree with that? I would, yes. You, can, can I say sure, something about can. Mary? Um, I just want, I was thinking about Mary. That and bugs me about Mary, him limiting Mary. It just really bothers me that, about that. And, you know, so I'm thinking about just, you know, for an example, the, the angel came to Mary and she, she didn't know what the heck was going on. But all her life, she had been um, brought up. Um, through the faith, you know, through their teachings, um, through, you know, back then they didn't necessarily have readings, but they family did speak about it. They went to the synagogues and things. And, and, yet, and, God, and the angel comes to her. On some level, Mary knows. She knows that this is really, really a big deal. <coughs> she knows that. And I think there are so many people out there who have that kind of love. And for, for our priest to deny this woman that just knew there were people in the church that could benefit from those sorrows. Um, what kind of heart does that? What I don't know. I don't know. As beautiful as the those sorrowful mysteries are for her, um, you know, the piercing of her heart and yeah. um, all those things that happened to Mary as a mother. I just can't believe he would deny her that. This, this did you want to say something, John? You got the book on top of the cord. Okay, and then uh, that's an expensive cord. It'll handle that book. Okay. Now. Uh, the other thing about this is that this is the same parish where the priest has, you know, you remember that movie, the Disney movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Yes. He's got the cross that has been taken off the front wall up there by the altar, put on the back wall because they're now an Easter people. And he shrunk that huge, enormous crucifix with corpus to just a small model, a small miniature, a mini me. Mm -hmm. What can you say? You know what I'm talking he about? Just, yes. He just wants the cake. 
He just wants he the cake. He just without... wants the cake. Yeah. There's there's suffering there. When you when you look at that, when I contemplate that in my church, and I never did like that about Holy Redeemer. That I, right. When I when I came when I came to Holy Redeemer, tell was, us what you really was, said. It was, tell us what you it really was mean. at the back of the church, and um, I didn't understand that. Yeah. I didn't. I thought you know I was missing something, well, but that would bother your conscience if it, you're out there not chased yes, because and, and in, stealing from the people, robbing and raping the sheep. Yeah, that bothered me. And, and Protestants do believe that 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 we shouldn't really necessarily look at. I have friends who have told me that. So some of my Protestant friends, maybe not all of them, that looking um, at the the resurrection is far more important than looking at the cross because yeah. he overcame. Well, what about in our suffering, and what about the way Jesus says, "Follow me." And I think Jordan Peterson's will say that Christian cross is pretty important. That's a that's a Canadian phil, uh, psychologist. Yes. Yeah. What do you think about? Can we get your opinion on crosses? And uh, are you okay with the Catholic approach to cross? Yes. And uh, are we doing a good job on this podcast? Yes. And uh, you work today, so this isn't offensive to you when we're talking no. about this. Okay. I can continue driving the point home. So keep in mind that we have a response. Carl, I'd like to tell them, I don't want to, you know, you can, you can fight with them, you can arm wrestle, but I'd like to be right in their grill and say, you know, you're taking this crucifix at Holy Redeemer, you know what I'm talking about, you grew up with it in the front of the altar with corpus, take it to the back. Why argue with them? Just show them, you know, $10,000 that you're getting ready to give them to them and give them the dime. Or better yet, you can get a centavo, a centavo, which is one-tenth of one penny, and they have them in the Philippines. I'll bring some back and just give them a centavo. Say, I, you, know, you shrunk Jesus, and I'm shrunking my giving. I can get by on a smaller cross. You'll get by on a smaller budget. Carl, is that all right? No, I, it's not. It's uh, not all right with me. About the cross? No, no. Yeah. And, and uh, what about that shrinking of that cross? It, well, I don't like it. I I uh, went to grade school and Holy Redeemer with Father Gauthier. And uh, he was a, a great saint, uh, in my opinion. Yes, I remember. Uh, and uh, uh, missionary priest. Yeah, he come from uh, Connecticut, uh-huh. and uh, he was very, a very good man. He, I, and if he hadn't died, I think he wanted to have powers at Holy Redeemer. He, they were trying. To that, uh, yeah, the I think it would have it would have happened if he was still alive. I think. Right, right. <laughs> Are you okay if people say to the clergy, "You keep me on a low info diet. You shrink the image of the cross and the burden. I should be able to shr- give my money somewhere else." Yeah, well, I, tell me that. Well, I I guess it doesn't make me want to give less. Because I I still think that we have to you know take care of the church and take care pay our bills, but it's a wrong thing to shrink the cross. Yeah, that's right. It's yes, wrong. that's wrong. That's right. We don't want to give up our whole, uh, what we're doing, but we could. Could I take my money in your in, in your world? Could I take my money and give it to the church in Mongolia, which is struggling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. They need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could I take it and give it to Takloban or Davao City where they're struggling? Yes. And yes. the nuns in the third world trying to get going in Cambodia that are living on a dollar a day. Could I give them my money? Yes, yes. I, I was an electrician in the shop, and I trained two people from Thailand, that, that uh, two men, and they were they were very good people, very good people. You, you, you they mean, had very little over there. Yeah. 
You, you make a good point. Yeah. I, though, my conscience will not per, will permit me to give them a centavo to say, you shrunk my faith. Yeah. I'm, you're going to pretend to teach me Catholicism. I'm going to pretend to pay you. But I will support the church. Yeah. I'll divert that money. I'll, I, we have diverted money for a hospital effort, for nurses and doctors. We're putting them through school. You have yeah. anything to say about that? I agree, and you know, I'm I'm part of helping with that. What I want to say is, when when we read this right of sodomy, when we see it still going on even in our own diocese, um, I don't want to pay for them to have sex. I don't want to pay for them to. Um, and when I say that, when they end up in the court system with the lawsuits, who's paying for them lawsuits? Where do you think that money's coming from? How do you feel about that? Your money going for that? Uh, uh, they don't, don't keep track of the money of, that we know, you know, where it's spent. And uh, and a lot – Catholics are very good giving people. Yes, they yes. are. And, very gracious. But, but uh, we, don't, we don't have an account of that money. Yeah. How do we – and I ask, how do we know that we're getting a true account? Yeah. yeah. Who is paying – these lawsuits are ongoing and are huge. And where, are the, where is this coming from, this money? So, yeah, I'm, I'm with BigBang.com. There's plenty There's yeah. plenty of people out there who can use that, that money overseas. Yeah. And yes. what, what she's saying is she's going to keep her money and give it – and I'm going to do the same – and give it to the nuns, give it to the clergy that are living on a bowl of rice. Yeah. And I, I, I support my bishop and my parish priest. Go to BigBank.com. They're professional givers. Get all the money you need from that bank. That's what I think. But go ahead. Not everybody – I understand. Yes. I, yeah. I do not want to fund sin. No, no. Yeah. I don't either. That's right. And uh, I'm looking for some other snippets to talk about the spiritual writers say. And uh, so when they have, just why this passes, doesn't even pass common sense, when these clergy just burn with lust and uh, for for flesh and money. Here's what can be said. He said, uh, Thus all created things with the affections bestowed upon them are nothing because they are a hindrance and the privation of our transformation in God. You, you know, when you put your your affections on a, a Big Mac, a Whopper, or sex, or money, there you, you have a transformation. The Catholic Church is about, Catholic faith, Christian faith is about transformation in God, mm-hmm. and the clergy are to aid us in that. Yes. And so when they, they, are, they got hots for each other and using my money— I don't want that. And kicking people out of the church. Kicking people out of the church because, and they won't say masses for certain people because they right. don't. Some pull. people don't deserve prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Some people don't. What do you say about that, Carl? Which people don't deserve prayer in your world? Well, uh, they, we all deserve prayer. But it, I couldn't it, hear you. It, say a little say bit louder. Again. We all deserve prayer. Absolutely. We <laughs> but, all deserve prayer. But, but uh, it, it's, uh, <clears throat> I, I don't want to fund, they, I think, that these people need help, and they should drop out of the priesthood or uh, and and get help. Yes, do you think That's they what, will? I hope that own? I really hope they do. I really pray that they Let's do. Hope, but she <laughs> said, do you think as a practical matter will they? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not do you, sure. Do you realize that right now, Carl? It's still going on in our Lansing diocese. They're still finding um, things out about priests that have just been moved around and um, have been doing this. And we're so, so like, I just learned something. I didn't realize this was part of what, so every, every parish 
we have to give our parish what, however much money that parish makes. Maybe you know this. This was news to me. Maybe other Catholics know it, and I'm just in the dark. But thirty um, percent of what uh, what the parish brings in goes to the diocese. So all that money you give, you're still even if it's a tax. It's a tax. It's yeah. a tax, and they send it. Yeah. Yeah. And so even if you're giving, you you still don't know fully what all they're doing with the money. Do I think they're doing a lot of good things? Yes, I do. I just don't trust, and I don't want my money to go to, to funds that um, I don't want them to go to for their sex, for their, their lust, and their money laundering, stealing money from the church. Yeah. And they're not, you know, one of the things that we're trying to show is that the owner's manual of God, if you get an owner, you got a vehicle, you get an owner's manual on how to run the vehicle. You don't put water in a gas sink. There's an owner's manual to the human soul and the human body by the creator, our father. Consider some of this. This is just, uh, we have spiritual writers and, and, and theologians, and this is at page 16 of the Three Ages of the Interior Life. Uh, but to lead souls effectively to generous abnegation, abnegation and union with God, just the concept, you, you, abnegation is a turning from that which is not God to seeking union with God. That's kind of a, 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 if you were making Catholic maps or Christian maps, good geography, because it is more, uh, uh, the soul is effectively to generous abnegation and union with God. The terminology of the mystics is more appropriate because it is more vivid, more alluring, and also more brief and in concrete manner, more comprehensive. What I'm getting at is what in the lies that right aside me, Randy Daniel's talking about, shows these clergy have any interest in abnegation, the denial of self or anything or their passions in order to have union with God. Do you see it? No, I, I see an act of, um, you know, coalition going on to support what they do. And rather than bringing them to the true teachings of the church, fasting from their lusting and things that, that, um, that we're taught to practice of things that, um, we, we, you know, we just are, um, attached to, Yeah. you know, that's what, that's what our teachings are. Carl, I'm okay. I have an attachment to my money. They got an attachment to sex and to a lot of other things. I got it, and their and their boyfriends and what I got attachments to my money. Could I keep a little bit of my money? You think? Yeah, you probably could. You usually do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pay my electrician. No. <laughs> yeah, how are you getting home, Carl? <laughs> well, you got to wait on it. No, I yeah. I'm getting, I better save, oh, save that opinion for later because <laughs> I got to get right home. <laughs> he got to get home. He's got to get paid first. Let's. It, 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 here's another thing. So, it's just the concepts here. He's talking about a Gergulange, page 16, that conversations about a life that is not evident in these writings about these men who we trusted, you know. And here's another one. It leads also to the thought that what is unknowable and ineffable in God is sovereignly good and can be ardently loved without being truly known. It is inspired by the, by the thought which St. Thomas formulates as follows in this life. The love of God is better than the knowledge of God. For by knowledge, we, we in a way draw God to ourselves by imposing on him, so to speak, the limit of our ideas, whereas love draws us and lifts us towards God. Let me repeat that. It is inspired by the thoughts which St. Thomas formulates as follows. In this life, the love of God is better than the knowledge of God. 
For by knowledge we, in a way, draw God to ourselves by imposing on him, so to speak, the limits of our ideas, the limit of our ideas, whereas love draws us and lifts us towards God. Isn't that beautiful? And I don't see anything in there that they're talking about in their lives about telling me to draw closer to God. They'd like, some of these guys would like to have me in their arms. That's what I get. Drawing closer to me, drawing closer to someone else to meet their own pleasures or to get from me my gold, my silver, my wealth, or my time to use it for their ends. Right, and and to, and they're teaching oh. they're teaching young souls, young seminarians, young children, um, to follow in their ways. And you know, um, the the doctrine they're teaching them has nothing to do with growing their souls. Go ahead, Carl. Uh, I'll give you a I, second I, chance. I well, <laughs> I, I I eat quite often with a professor from Mount Pleasant, yeah. and he says they teach everything against the faith in the colleges. He said it's, it's terrible what they do in the colleges. Yeah. It is. And I'm getting that from a professor that uh, is in the college in Mount Pleasant. A good Catholic, and he's a convert and, and, to Catholicism. Yeah, he's, he's a, a convert. Franciscans. He's a convert, yes. yeah, a Franciscan. I know. I, I worry about my grandson. I do. He's, he's, he's just a budding young Catholic right now. That's, and, what, that's uh, where he needs influence. Yes, I know. And I'm so, I'm so concerned about him going to college, you know, and what will happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I didn't know that about that. I didn't I didn't know that uh, you know that what was going on in the colleges. I went a lot of years ago as a apprentice to General Motors Institute or Kettering, but uh, I didn't know that that was going on till this professor and I heard it from other sources told me this. Yes, yeah. scary. That's a good comment. Yeah. Carl didn't know. And for those of you who don't know, too, there's we would say there's a cultural war the, uh, going on. But that's the that's why it, it, that it alarms me and others is that there is no in, there's no educational system that is so perfect in and of itself. It no longer needs good men and good women. OK, right. the goodness comes from God. It, 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 it gets into you. Well, well, it can draw people away from God that were taught well by their parents. Yeah. And yeah. and I think a lot of parents, I'm being one, and the lady across from me being one, that we uh, worry about our grandkids, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess the good thing on um, campuses, they do have, like, different Catholic groups and things like that. But, you know, you got your kids have got to go to it, you know. Yeah. The, these clergy are to transform, aid us. We're up river from politics and culture. That's their job to transform society, to get the truth out there and to get the goodness. Instead of saying, you need permission to talk about truth and goodness or do good. Let me give you this. I'm giving you, I'm trying to draw a map for our readers yes. about things on the map that these men ignore. Martyrdom is one. Do you see our our FSA even considering martyrdom? Absolutely not. I no. see him as Ready a to save himself. That's right. A weakling, a weakling, and a mediocre. Do you see this guy that we're talking about that was out at Mount Zion? Do you see him as a martyr, being a mar- a martyrdom, leading others to martyrdom? Uh, uh, he's uh, feels really bad too, and uh, he, he wants to go, go to dinner with Mike sometime. Hey. You're talk I'm not talking about that guy. I'm talking about the priest that used to be out there. That, oh, oh, yeah. Is he the kind of guy that would be a hero and a martyr? No, no. No, he would not be. And uh, you're going to get a ride home. Thank you for that answer. 
<clears throat> that is, Things listen are to this. Things are looking up, Carl. Things are looking up. I know how you feel. Yeah. Don't yeah. give yeah. a yeah. the yeah. 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 Rather than to not deny his faith, will lose his soul, whereas he who in this world has a holy hatred of his life, for example, by undergoing martyrdom for the gospel's sake, will save his soul for eternal life. These guys can't even say no to keep their pants on. That's right. God. Right. I, they, they wouldn't even make a good husband. Do you, can you imagine? No. No, I they're not even hubby material. No, they're definitely not. No, they're not hubby material. And uh, for God's sakes, and Carl, don't give him your money. You could have walked home. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> tell me. Don't be giving him your money. I'll tell you. Give me your money, and I'll tell you where to put it at. My lawyer wants my money, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm ideologically. Imagine. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Oh, yeah. Well, whose side are you on? How are you getting home? <laughs> I got to say it. He's well trained. Well, you've been. Well, I, I ain't seen it. Go ahead, John. You want to end this? I'm. A, I am being a martyr here. I, I, I have. Well, I got to ride home. I have. Yeah. Have to you can <laughs> speak the truth. Right. You got to ride home. <laughs> a lawyer wanting money unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> So are we wrapping up? Where you're getting it kind of bad. Oh, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I should be Archbishop. So are we wrapping this up? Yes, sir. We're going to end our wrap. Are we going to end it now? The wind ran out of my sails when I finally get any money. We're going to just do the Our Father and Hail Mary in that? Yes. We got 15 minutes. Did you want a pontificate or 10 minutes or so? I don't know. We got 15 minutes. We'll do an ending here. Okay, here you we go. We want to thank all our sponsors. BigBig.com, Bishop, <laughs> for the dirty martyr in you. The dirty, not a dirty martyr, but a dirty mitre in you, because I don't think you know it. Can you spell martyrdom, Bishop? No. <laughs> so think about how you can get your money, because, you know, well, there's more and more of us are talking. And when I have a chance to educate Carl, tell his wife what he's been saying, he ain't going to give you any money. So you're going to need BigBig.com. I guarantee you, because I, I know your wife. She's going to let you convert. She ain't going to let you fund all that sin. Carl, do you agree? She ain't going to let you fund that sin. I, I have to agree. <laughs> you got, this is the power this of a faith. Good husband right here. <laughs> this is it's faith. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. What, 30 minutes you've come I, around? I need to talk to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> You're in. I'm in serious I'm in serious trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got it. It's all. They can get all the money they want from BigBank.com. Dirty Miter, we're going to pray for you. And and we want to, well, we're thinking about for our diocesan, we were thinking about different things that we need to add to create new facts. And I'm thinking the diocesan uh, official pet or animal could be the wolfhound. Oh, yes. And the diocesan fur could be wolf. Yeah. Yes. Well, is that all right? It's all right with me. Your wife said that's the correct answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wolf. So you wolf packs, you shepherds, that wolves that are shepherds, that's what she says, wolves. And yes. in, in honor of Randy Engel, we want to collect wolf fur. And we want to raise wolfhounds. Yes, we do. Yes, okay. So give some thought to that. And uh, this is a diocese that is uh, not safe for wolves. Would you say that? Yes. Yeah, this isn't a safe diocese. Carl, this is not a safe diocese for wolves, right? 
Right, right. Your wife says that. You can elaborate. Your wife is going, I, God bless her. God bless your wife. Do I still have a right over? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going home. You earned that. Well, at least 75%. We'll get you right up there. All right. John over here is laughing all, all. Oh, he's pretty cocky. Hey, go ahead and you conclude that with a pontifical prayer. Okay. Okay. We're over the time, I don't know. Anyway. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless this podcast, and may the Holy Spirit use it to touch people's hearts. Amen. Amen. And divert money, their wallets too.